Well, Jody, I know you've had some interesting jobs, yeah. so why don't you go ahead and tell us about one in particular? Yeah, well, um, my dad was a fruit grower, so I got to do some fun things on the farm, but it was all uh, trees. <laughs> it wasn't Grafting, no animals. Though, right? <laughs> yes, but um, the most interesting was probably in college. I worked at a place called Cedar Point. I don't know if any of you have heard of that. It's the roller coaster capital of the world, or Michigan it was at one know. point. Come it's yes. in Ohio, um, Sandusky, Ohio. It still is. I mean, Fun is there park. a roller coaster in this in this uh, town? Not or a big state? roller coaster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yes. Is, is, okay. What is it? The other thing. Gotcha. But do you have Six Flags? Six Flags? Oh yeah, Charlotte. Yeah. Okay. So you got to go to Charlotte. Yeah, no. All right, Cedar well, Point. Well, Cedar Point. Pizza. It's great. It's a great. Place. So I, I got a job, summer job there, and um, one day these people came up to us um, and said, hey, do you want to be in a TV commercial? <laughs> yes, you know, oh, of course. So me and like three of our my friends um, that all worked there, they're like, yeah, they're like, hey, okay, so just show up at the corkscrew, which is just like what it sounds like. It's a roller coaster that goes around and around. Show up there at like 1030, because I think the park was closing at 10 at that time. So we're like, okay, okay, yeah. So we show up, it's after work, the park's pretty much closed, and, but it was legit. Like we get there, there's cameras and all this kind of stuff. Well, long story short, um, they put us in the car, second from the front, and the front one was all blocked off. We're like, oh my gosh, they put us in the front car. You know, like, we were not really thinking that, but you're like, it turns out they, they had the real actor sat in the front car. And every time we would do this corkscrew for literally two hours, we were riding this thing. It got so Can you bad. Imagine that? Every time you would do it, it's like a two-minute ride or something, and it would end, and they would stop, and then they would pull like the movie star people out of the front seat and like redo their makeup, redo their. <laughs> and so basically, we were just we were just dead weight to hold the thing on the track. See, like they can't <laughs> run it with just two people in it, right? So two hours, at, you know, long story short, I got paid 30 bucks, you know, but I was, you can, you can fall asleep riding one of those, roller, like we would ride the roller coaster, and I remember just being almost like, we were starting to fall asleep on the thing, which was, I don't even know how that happened, but that's how tired we were. So anyhow, that, I don't know how you it. could fall 30 asleep bucks, you know, on the corkscrew, but that's for sure. Well, yep. all of us, we heard baby. a few, but all of us, I mean, around the table could share the various jobs that we've had the responsibilities, the roles, and you know, oftentimes, maybe you're in a job or even now where they don't make the responsibilities or the expectations as clear as they could be. Whether they're stated or unstated, we all have responsibilities and roles. What we wanna do in this session is we just wanna answer this one question. What are the biblical roles and responsibilities for husband and wife? What do those roles look like? How do we best apply them? And we're gonna look at a lot of scripture for this session will be anchored in Ephesians chapter 5, and the choice is how to serve sacrificially. So that's our third choice that we want to go over. Jody and I think this is a really important one, because we believe the best way to serve sacrificially, I mean, we could say a lot of things. Man, I could serve in this way, and do this, and do this for my spouse in this time, in this season, but really to know your role, to embrace your role, to fulfill your role in the changing seasons are, it's one of the most important things. So I'm gonna start with two foundational truths, and they're really this, if we could put up on the screen. Husbands are called to lead through love. That's what we're called to do. So that's our number one role, that we're to lead our homes. You hear the spiritual leader, we're in the Bible Belt, it's like, hey, the husband better be the spiritual leader. It lead, though, how do you lead? Well, it's gotta be through love, and wives are called to honor through respect. 
So maybe it's not a new thing for you to hear this, but we want to show you how it's grounded, how you apply it, how you actually do it, because I think this is where we see the most issues in cup with couples. So where do we get this? Well, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33, has both of those things. It says, let each of you love his wife as himself. So that's the husband. We're called to lead through love. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. That's the end of Ephesians chapter 5. It's the summary verse that really gives us the two stated roles and responsibilities for husband and wives in marriage. Why is this the case? I want to give you a biblical reason. I want to give you a psychological reason. Psychologists will tell you, and we could prove studies, show them to you, that men have a need for significance. I want my life to count. I want my life to matter. You're sitting here as a wife, you say, my husband never verbalized that. We don't verbalize anything. <laughs> but that's really what's going on. I don't want to be worthless. I want to be useful. I want to see things happen. And women have a need for security. And so that's what psychologists tell us. And so in a marriage, the husband's need for significance is met as the wife honors him with respect. And the wife's need for security is met when the husband leads with love. So that's really what's happening. Now you might say, well, you know what? I don't know. And, and I have a pretty high-powered wife. She told you a little bit about her job, and, you know, she's kind of, you know, type A person. Like, she gets things done. She was going over her notes today in the, uh, over at the uh, Hilton that we stayed at because the real nice hotel I just heard was full. Oh, no, I'm just joking. Really he said nice. that. But we loved it over there. So we, we had a good time last night and everything else. And, and there's, there's this uh, African-American family. They've got, like, 80 Huge people. Huge family there. reunion. Yeah, like yeah. Family reunion. And really they're all nice. there. And we've been getting to them a little bit, talking to them. And, we're uh, trying so they, to join their family. Yeah, we're like, hey, well, this is fun. You guys do this every year, you know? <laughs> but but, um, but what's funny, the, guy, the one guy comes by her, and he sees her, you know, working on some stuff, and she's doing some stuff. And he, what did he say? He goes, he goes, he goes, oh, he goes, you're working on a Saturday. He's getting it done. You know, he's like cheering <laughs> me out. So yeah. we're working on a Saturday, getting it done, working on a marriage, you know? But, but all that to say, you might say, well, I don't know. My wife is pretty strong-willed, and she's a leader, I don't know if I would say her need is security. Well, hold on for a moment. I mean, maybe that strong will and that desire to get going and that desire to make it, maybe that's really fueled that I'm going to get this thing done myself, that she's going to take care of her own security. We've certainly seen that. So we want to give you the biblical reason. That's the psychological reason. It's right in the scriptures. Ephesians chapter 5, if you want to turn there, that's great. Put it up on your phone. We're going to spend the most of our time there. But I want to start with the husbands. So spotlight on the husbands, then spotlight on the wives. Jody's going to talk to the women. I'm going to talk to the men. I want to give you, as we walk through this passage, five S's. These are the five S's of love. This is how we are to lead. And I hope, as we hear today, that not only are you getting it for yourself, but that, man, I'm going to pour this into someone else because we need to disciple. Marriage is such an important thing. As we said last night, as we close, man, it's the number one witnessing tool. So five S's of love, love sacrifices. That's the first thing. We see this in verse 25. Amen. what did Jesus do for the church? He gave everything. He gave all his blood. He gave all his sweat. He gave all his tears. He gave everything for the church. That's what it talks about in those first verses. Husbands are love your wives as Christ loved the church. I mean, that's what we're called to do. He gave us everything. 
all his blood, all his sweat, all his tears, we are called to do the exact same thing. Let me ask it this way. What needs to die in you for the health of your marriage? What needs to be put to death? You probably know what it is. You just haven't put it to death yet. Is it a lack of motivation in this season? Is it an unwillingness to be vulnerable and to be open about what's going on in your life? Is it an unrealistic expectation that you're putting out? I mean, something. What is it that needs to die? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. His love was, it was in this way, sacrificial. Is it a secret sin? We talked just a little bit about that last night, but the truth is, man, is there something going on that nobody else knows about or you think nobody else knows about? Those are the things that need to die. Let me remind you that Jesus died for it so that you could live. And so there's some things I think we've got to get our manly perspective on at one point and say, we got to put some things to death, just like breaking those chickens' necks. <laughs> oh, but what it, you know what I mean? What is it that I've got to break free from? And remember, you can't do it on your own. We can only do it through him, John 15, 5. Apart from him, I can do nothing. But I always like to say good things can become bad things when they crowd out the best thing. It doesn't have to be some bad thing that you're doing or that you've done. I mean, it doesn't have to be some sinful thing. Maybe it's just something that's a good thing. It's just not the right time. And you got to put it on hold. Yeah, and that just makes me think of um, different seasons of life, right? So... Um, last night, you, you might have, you know, Ron, in the very beginning, one of the biggest things he laid down, I mentioned earlier, is he laid down his job. And I remember that one really spoke loudly to me. I knew, like, he's serious about this. Um, and again, I didn't ask him to do that or anything. But then later on, like, a little lighter subject, um, he's also mentioned he played a lot of basketball. So he was still playing basketball when we got married. And then it was about five years before we had kids. So he had gotten into a lot of basketball leagues and and it was fine. Like, we both were, were busy doing stuff. Um, but then the, the kids came along. And, um, and then Ron, it, it, the other thing about him is he, when he first, we first got married, we're in our 20s. And he used to say, I'm not going to be one of those old guys that's still playing when I'm, like, 30 years old. And because he thought 30 was so old, you know. And then, then he starts getting closer to 30. Well, you know what? My buddy Mark, do you know he's, like, 33? Like, he's really good. He's, he's, he's got game, blah, blah, blah. All they had to say, um, during certain seasons of life, then, you know, the kids came along and, and Ron, originally he would just say, well, I think I'm going to have to, I'm going to probably retire by, by the time, like, for, originally it was 30, then it was 35. And I used to say, he retired more times than Michael Jordan for basketball. Stop it. That is so, that is so not true. But the times he retired, as, once we had the kids, it was a good thing. He was laying it down because it just wasn't fitting. You know, being gone this night a week, that night a week, sat, all day Saturday at a three-on-three -three tournament. I used to go with him. Once we had kids, it just wasn't. So he would lay it down. And the point being, he didn't lay it down forever. Like, yeah. he would lay it down when, you know, it was probably when we had the two little ones. It just wasn't fitting. But then he'd pick, we'd pick it back up you know, when time prevailed. So it's not necessarily you sacrificing this, oh, I'm, I'm never going right. to golf again, you know. No, it might just be for a season, and then you bring it back in when, when, time, when it works. And um, so the challenge you're doing would be it for your even, wife, your family, your kids. Yeah, the challenge would be, if you, especially small kids, the different stage of life, what is it that you need to sacrifice in this season? Second S word, it's right in the text. It says in verse 26 that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her, so that she may present 
the church to himself in splendor with spot or wrinkle or with any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. Now, what Paul's doing is he's comparing the husband and wife relationship to the relationship that we have with him and the church. And so love sanctifies. That's what he says next. And sanctify literally means to be set apart. Sanctify literally means to make holy. That's the picture of the husband's role. That we would, catch this, create an environment, create an environment that your wife is to grow spiritually. So we talked about yesterday. That's your responsibility. What is the spiritual temperature? You're not to be a thermometer. You're to be a thermostat. That what? Not to take her temperature spiritually. Whoa, she's this. Or whoa, she's not. Are you creating an environment? For those with kids, it's the same responsibility for you both. How are we creating an environment for them to grow spiritually? Husbands directed at you, love sanctifies. Too many people, if I'm honest, they're abdicating this responsibility. Most men abdicate this responsibility to someone else. They abdicate it to the pastor. They abdicate it to their favorite pastor on the radio or some Bible teacher. They advocate it to Beth Moore. I mean, in the truth, She's it's like, good. oh, yeah, this. And, and, you know, that's a really important thing that we don't give that up. But this is the thing. I asked the question last night. You'll say to yourself, well, what if she's more spiritual than me? And the truth is, she might be. Statistics tell us that pre-COVID statistics, 13 million more women go to church every given Sunday than men. 13 million. Church is 61% female and 39% male. 25% of those married are there without their husbands. So yes, church seems to be more female-oriented than male. So simply start by going to church. Go to church regularly. I mean, that's an important thing. Let me define regularly. Twice as much as you go now. I'm not joking because average now, we're not talking to each of you here, but the truth is the average person comes to church now it's less than 1.8 times a month. That's what COVID statistics. Mm. So they're saying it's going down. That's in-person attendance. And so, you know, the truth is, church is looking differently. We're using different metrics now even for, what, you know, how do you really gauge how, what church looks like? I mean, it used to be budgets, butts in the chairs, right? And <laughs> baptisms. That's how you measure the church, you know? And, and now it's, it's not those three Bs. It's like it's all about engagement. So that's a different message for a different time. But engagement, how they're giving back, how they're connected. It's not all measured in, um, you know, attendance. attendance. Mm -hmm. But as we talk about you leading is that, just use the church service to start the spiritual conversation. You say, well, she's more spiritual than me. Well, use the conversation after the church service when you listen to the sermon your pastor just preached a great sermon. Go out to lunch on the way home. It's so easy. Let me teach you how to do this. All you have to do is look at her at lunch and say, honey, what did you think about the sermon? <laughs> she's going off, man. I mean, there's no question at all. There's, she's not going to have a problem. She's going to be able to say this and all that. And it's really easy. And you just say, yep, I thought the same thing. <laughs> how hard is that, right? <laughs> You throw in a few, uh-huh, uh-huh, but again, yeah, yeah. I, I'm kidding, but the truth is, if you can get her to start talking about what she's thinking, it's just a way to engage together mm -hmm. and, you know, lead spiritually by attending church, by initiating spiritual conversations, lead spiritually by developing relationships with mature uh, Christian men. 
like I've always said it like this. I, I've said it to our church since I began. The best relationships I've ever had are the ones that I pursued. I didn't wait on. Like I went after them. And, and if, if you have to go after relationships, you see somebody that you think, man, that guy, you know, he's got it together. That guy, he, he has this. That, like, that you would pursue those relationships. That's the best thing to start. So love sacrifices. There's no question about that. Love uh, sanctifies. The third S word, it's not in the text, but we can see it in verses 28 through 30. Love serves. It says, in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one hated his own flesh, but nourishes it, cherishes it. Just there it is, as Christ does the church. That's the comparison because we are members of his body. I love this illustration because Paul's just saying this. He's like, man, husbands love their bodies, man. They take care of themselves physically when they're sick. And, you know, it's just like that's the same way we're to care for our wives, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Like, we need to serve them at the different stages of life. I'll never forget, and my dad, you know, we came, we've already said, we came from a non-Christian home. Um, both of us were able to share our faith with our parents. Um, my parents accepted Christ in their 70s. I mean, it was crazy. Jody's mom got baptized at 69. I mean, it was just, it was nuts. I mean, we prayed for him for nine years. Nothing happened. So we didn't come from a Christian home, but we came from a good home. Like, they modeled marriage and I'll never forget my dad, very unlike me. Uh, any engineers in the room? No engineers. Okay, I'm, I'm feeling good already. Um, but, 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 but my dad was an engineer, just very intelligent. You know, didn't say anything off the cuff. I mean, very well-spoken, um, thinker. I, I mean, and I just said to my dad, you know, one day I said, you know, talking about marriage, I said, Dad, what's the secret to a long-lasting marriage? And he, he stopped and kind of thought about it. And then he just said this. Make the other person happy. And I knew what he meant because I had watched him make my mom happy. They were holding hands through every stage at every age. That what? That he was caring for her in the challenging seasons, in the seasons of joy. The last memory I have of my dad is when she was dying of cancer and he was serving her by chopping up the pain medication so that she could, I mean, so that she had some relief. I mean, I watched him serve her through all the different phases, and that's what we need to do. So there's something that we always do at the marriage. If anybody who's doing a marriage conference, if you don't quote Gary Chapman and the five love languages, I think there's a bolt of lightning that comes down. <laughs> and I think it's almost worse here because we're closer to him. I mean, it's just like, you know, you know so you have to mention him. So, so let's think about this, serving Let's think about the love languages. I'm sure we know them. Do we know them? Let's go. Get somebody name one. Acts of service. That's the first one. What the, else? Says the one yeah, as says the one going, going like this. Could you get over there and rock that thing? Uh, okay, acts of service. service. What else? Quality time. Physical touch. Okay, we know what you're thinking, where your mind is. I mean, that's what we got. Okay, we got three of them. What is it? Words of yes. affirmation, okay. We still haven't hit mine, yes. my favorite one. Yes. Gifts, yes. yes. Give me anything, especially a watch. Like my boy here over got that nice watch. Come on, let's model that watch. For this is the, he got a tag watch. I mean, who gets a tag watch for their wife on when they get married? Man, big spender over there. Okay, so those are the five love languages. And so you got to look, and, and normally it's different, right? It's like, hey, mine's this and yours is that. And it took us such a long time to figure this out. But 
I had, I actually interviewed him, I do a podcast called The Gospel Culture and Me, and I interviewed Gary Chapman, and I was like, I was like, man, what you didn't tell me is, or tell us as men, is that when you finally get the one down, words of affirmation, the woman has the right and prerogative to change her mind, and she changes. <laughs> so when I finally got acts of service down, because it was this, and you know, helping the kids, it's like next thing I know, she changed her thing. I mean, come on now. And, and he laughed, and we had a little bit of fun, but... But. Well, so guys, here's the hint, you know, as those seasons change, acts, I can just say this in general, acts of service, if it's not number one, it's, it's right up there the minute you bring kids into the home. And if she doesn't say it, it's there. And, and a question you can just learn to ask is like, hey, how can I help you? And then just really listen and try, try to jump in where you can. A little bit goes a long way, because I'll tell you what, like, when Ron would throw a load of laundry and he never looked better to me and he was amazing. I was, uh, you know. That's but, all I had to do. I didn't have to shower or shave. <laughs> put the laundry in. <laughs> like it just be, you know, find out what that is and it does, it does change. So, so next S word, good stuff, husbands? <laughs> no. Okay, we're going to fly back. <laughs> good stuff, husbands? He's looking yeah, there for we go. words of affirmation. Okay, I'm looking for a little words of affirmation. I'm not asking for no gifts. I'm not, I don't want any touch. I'm just asking for a little bit of affirmation. And now what the heck is going on? Love does this. We're going to go to another verse. This is a great verse. 1 Peter 3, verse 7, love studies. And so, you know, maybe I'm sure you're familiar with this verse. This is a husband verse. I'll never forget when I first became a Christian, there was a fireman. His name was Tim Evans. And I would call on him um, at his fire station. And um, I had a job where I sold um, brass things to um, contractors and to refineries, and the coffee is done. Come on now. And uh, so, so it, husbands, start serving your wife. Don't, don't get your own and ask her if she wants some. But to love studies. And so this, this guy, his name was Tim, and what's interesting is he would always ask me that question. He'd say, are you First Peter 3, verse 7 husband this week? And I mean, that's it. That's a great question to ask yourself and for us to ask each other. So what's the verse say? Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they're heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. That's a, just a great verse. Live with her in an understanding way. That's the part that's love studies. Now, by weaker here, it doesn't mean inferior. Your wife is like a fine piece of china. I mean, she's precious and... She's valuable, and um, she's like this. Let's put this picture up for a moment. She's like this Waterford crystal little vase or glass. I mean, that's your wife. Look at that. I mean, beautiful. It's ornate. It's valuable. You know how to tell the difference between the fake and the, you hear the ring, right? That's, that's the way. I'm glad so many guys knew that. That's very good. <laughs> and uh, you know how to tell the fake difference between a Rolex and, a, and what we're wearing? It's the hand. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. you know, it's continuous. It's continuous, continuous. How do you know that? Somebody sold me one. No, I'm kidding. And, but that's how you know that's a picture of your wife. Husbands, this is what you're like right here. You're like this cup. Dirty, paper, <laughs> crap, used. It's just sitting there. Hey, you know, I mean, you're just like, hey, whatever. It's all good. And all joking aside, we're just, I mean, we're a little bit more rugged. You know, I'm just saying treat her as the precious gift that she is. And be a student of your wife. Know what's important to her. Know what turns her on, what turns her off. Favorite movie, childhood memory, what perfume she likes. I can still remember the perfume Jody likes. Heaven sent. That was in high school. That was, oh, that was. 
think they make that anymore. Then I, I better get up to date on that. <laughs> but whether she prefers plastic or paper at the grocery store, I mean, all kidding aside, what are the things, you know? I mean, we need to study our wives, and there's a warning. Hey, I, I, if, if we choose not to do that at the end of verse 7, it says that our prayers are hindered. So this is what we do is we put a ceiling on our prayer life when we refuse to implement what this verse is saying. So love studies in the different seasons. You know, for us, we're, we're in a unique stage of life right now. It's just different. Um, we were just being asked, it, you know, I was just being asked, hey, do you, you know, do you go in the office every day? And, you know, I, I'm home in the mornings, and then I'll go in the afternoon and just say I have a home office that I can work out of. And, and, you know, Jody's like, man, you're just here a lot. Could you go into the office? And, I just but, have to be quiet. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, quiet. But, but, but what I'm saying is, you know, with kids and our youngest in college, it's just a different season. And so we, it's almost like we had to re get to know each other again. It, it's not all these conversations about who's picking up who and where they're going. And we used to forget to pick up sometimes. <laughs> and so if you're sitting here thinking to yourself, like when, you, when, the, when one of your children, who's there, when one of your kids gets a driver's license, it's like, oh my goodness, I'm relieved. And, and, and so you don't have to pick up anymore, but then what happens is you get used to it. And so for us, the older two would pick up the youngest all the time, and then the older two went to college, and we forgot. <laughs> and the youngest would be like, yeah, you're going to no, get she, me again. And she, I'm just she, like, I remember man? her saying, Mom, don't worry. I've worked out my own, ride, <laughs> her own <laughs> rides home from church because she didn't want to have to wait around for me and stuff. She goes, I've got it covered. <laughs> so there is relief coming. But again, it's just studying your wife, knowing what's important to her. Um, if we don't do this and we don't do these things, then it really does hear, hinder our prayer life. So the fifth S word is this, love stays. And Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31 says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother, hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. That's the miracle of marriage, the two becoming one. That's not only physically, but spiritually and emotionally. And, you know, that's, love stays. Many are choosing not to. You know, we've been open about our story. I remember when I was, you know, when we were, I thought we were getting a divorce, and so I, I went and checked out an apartment in uh, Chicago near O'Hare because we were both flying a lot, and um, I remember going there and, and you know, looking at this apartment. It's you know a little dump, and it's like, man, is this really what I want? This this is what I what I'm signed up for. I mean, I, I threw her away like garbage. She's the best thing in my life, and this is what I got. She's gone, and and the realtor, you know, it's a woman. She's showing me the place, and. And I literally, I mean, I, I, there's tears in my eyes. I, I mean, just started crying. I'm looking, I'm standing in this apartment, and the planes are going overhead. I'm like, this is what I'm signed up for. And, and then she looks at me, and she's like, if you really don't like it, I have another place. <laughs> and though it's not this. <laughs> but think about, I think we often forget. I mean, for me, if I had thrown in the towel, I'd have missed the joy of knowing Jesus. I, I wouldn't, you know, God used that circumstance to bring us together, but he used it to bring us to him. I would have missed the miracle of restored marriage. I mean, that God did that. I would have missed the beauty of a deeper relationship that we had. I'd have missed the blessing of, I mean, it was easy for us. We could have just thrown in the towel. No kids. I mean, it was so simple. And it was almost, I think it was better if we were both in Cleveland, where we were from, with our parents and our friends. It was almost better that we were in Chicago. We were only there for 12 months. We hardly knew anybody. And it wasn't like today. There was no FaceTime. There was no... I mean, does anybody write letters anymore? 
But, but we didn't have any outside influences that I think probably would have said, this isn't working. Just start over. And we would have missed all that. I mean, my mom actually did write a letter, and she advised me, and I know it was coming you know, from her mother's heart, but she was basically said, get out of that marriage and get out of it quick. And I remember uh, at the end it just said, um, or else you'll end up an empty shell of a person. And I remember reading that, and at that point, we, we were saved. We were brand new saved. I didn't know a lot, but I just remember, like, the Lord totally protected my heart and mind because I, I, I could see enough to see that that's kind of how she felt maybe in me, which is really sad, but I think she had times of that, like, in, in my, her marriage with my dad. Like, they, they, they stayed married their whole lives, but um, I, I, I thought she's speaking from, like, her her experience, right. but I had this feeling where it was like, I've never felt more full in my entire life, and it was just because I just had this, like, the Holy Spirit had just, you know, moved in, and I remember thinking, I'm not, I'm not ever going to feel like an empty show, regardless of what happens with the marriage, you know, right. I'm not going to feel that way, but like you said, the people that, you know, like, you're going to get advice from other things, but love stayed, and that was the Lord protected both of us, really, from you know, me from following my family's advice and, and Ron from just, you know, we could have just easily. So those are the S's. Those are the S words. We're going to take a full time out. It's going to be a full one. And I'm going to ask the husbands to turn your, to your wives. And I'm going to ask these just this questions. What am I great at? What am I good at? What do I need some work on? And so you've just sat there. You've listened to this and it's their turn to just speak into you a little bit. Let's be serious and, you know, what, 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 is, what are some things that I, I, I really see in this season? This is awesome. You are really serving me at this time. You are really, you know, I, I feel like we've made some efforts in this sanctifying. You've created an environment. Hey, you know what? I think we need to work on this. So as we do this one, just remember, husbands, you're going to get your chance to go back after her. <laughs> after Jody speaks. So that's the key to the wives, to just keep it nice. And uh, we're joking uh, uh, and everything else, but let's just take a few moments and let's just dialogue together about those five S words.
Maybe I will, since they work so hard. Oh. <laughs> hey, Ryan. Guys look pretty encouraged. They're not. <laughs> no one has stormed out of here yet, so that's a good sign. Yeah, that's my dad. It, it came about because my brother-in-law is go. just, a, he is, he's a, like, he's always doing stuff. Like, he's unloading the dishwasher. He's this, like, he doesn't say a lot, but he's, like, constantly doing stuff. And my dad was just fascinated because <laughs> he saw Tom doing all this stuff like, around the house. No, like, and then he that. concluded in his own deranged mind, like, oh, he's, he's doing that because we're here. Like, because it looks good. To, like it's to impress me. I don't know. I, he, but then he just I, somewhere along the line he decided, oh, I'm gonna like kick in and do, you know. So I'm not advocating the theory of the immediate showing, but it works. <laughs> so this Thanksgiving, um, but uh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'll take it. So that's what I say. <laughs> all right. I'm gonna, hey, uh, in in all seriousness, we just want to give conversation starters. So hopefully mm -hmm. you got a little time. But uh, again. Why don't we jump right in, and uh, I know we're talking about uh, serving each other, and we're talking about leading with love, and now we're talking about um, just what does it look to honor through respect. Right, so um, we're talking about the the women's role here. Normally, I'll play a little song just because um, I like music, but you've heard of Aretha Franklin. I'm like, sock it to me. What is the real message here? No, I'm no, not sure no. if this is the real message, but. Give me that respect is what she's saying. <laughs> and But I have to start with that because, of course, it's talking about us giving the respect. You know, but, hey, it, it goes both ways here. And um, so the acronym we're going to use, she's helping me out with that, is the word respect. And so I've got um, uh, something for each of those letters. So we'll kick right off um, with the letter R. And respect revives our husband and our marriage. And um, we're still looking at this um, scripture found in Ephesians uh, chapter 5, which is just a great scripture on marriage. And the first two, the R and the E, we're going to find right out are kind of bookend verses. So this is actually from the last verse of that body. So it's out of verse 33 where it says, See to it that she respects her husband. And here... Um, Respect literally revives. 
it, it's like breathing air into the life of your husband and into your marriage. And nothing breathes life into him quite like that. And it's just part of the way that he's wired. Um, I think of three ways of doing it. Um, there's three A's. You appreciate, admire, applaud. Those are things I try to think of when I think of um, how it can revive him. And to appreciate, it can be everything from um, the things he does. You know, like when he is helping out, like you want to make sure you let him know how much you appreciate it. And, and again, a little goes a long way. Even if he just does the littlest thing, but you, you're thinking it, you appreciate it, remember to say it and, and encourage that. And not only what he does, but also um, part of appreciating is what's important to him. Like he might have certain things that, you know, we talked about studying your wife, but knowing your husband, like for instance, Ron came out of an Italian family. Every Christmas Eve, they did a big, we do a big Italian dinner. You know, now that's that's not my um, history. That's not even exactly what his parents did. Like they did it probably every Sunday, but that's our family <laughs> tradition. But I know that that's something, and it's been a huge thing. Like our kids, he goes shopping. Again, I'm getting help too because that it's like his thing. He takes the kids shopping. And um, they buy all the stuff, and Make it's sauce. so his traditions. What what's important to him? Um, it's not it's it's not only the things that we say, but how we say things too. In terms of appreciating him and showing that, um, for admire, I think of everything from you know his abilities and qualities, like noticing those things and and acknowledging them to him. Um, and his work ethic, how hard he's working for the family. Um, just making the time and thinking about it and remembering to, to verbalize it or put it in a note or uh, just let them know that you admire them. Um, the third one, applaud, I think of these friends of ours, the Wilsons, and um, they'd been married. He, they had met in, I think, college, high school. He was a big-time football player. He played for, what was it, Michigan? Yeah, he played for uh, Central Michigan. Central Michigan, so a big school. He was quarter, quarterback. Michigan. And um, so he had been used to, like, in college, like he had huge, you know, stadiums of people cheering for him, calling his name, that sort of thing. So 15 years into his marriage, he told his wife, um, he said, you know, people have always like, I, I get a lot of positive, but when I come home, I feel like you're booing me. <laughs> like, it's like, boo, boo. You forgot to take the trash out today. <laughs> Boo! You know, like it would just be these little things, and it was. It was little things, but that's what he heard. He got home, and it was kind of like, oh, what didn't I do? Oh, I'm late. Oh, you know, I was supposed to grab that. Oh, you know, so he, to him, it was like he was booing. So all that to say is, we want to be our, we want to uh, applause our husband. We want to be their biggest cheerleader, and. You also don't want someone else being that a bigger cheerleader to your husband. You should be his biggest cheerleader in terms of these things, appreciating, admiring, and applauding him. And again, this feeds into that thing that Ron was talking about, men's deepest need for, um, for significance. And so, you know, another way, how do we often meet that unspoken need? One of them, um, our next letter, E, is empowers, so respect empowers. And that's where um, we go to the beginning of that body of scripture. I said the two bookends, and the very first verses, Ephesians 5, 22 and 24, you'll, know, that's, you'll notice in there, that's where you get the word submit. And a lot of us, um, a lot of us hear that word, it's like women a lot, I don't really like that word, like just, I don't even like the sound of the word. <laughs> but here's the key. Um, 
it's often misunderstood, and sadly, it's gotten a bad rap because it's been mis it's been abused in some cases in the in the church, and so there's some people have a good reason for not liking that word. It's like no, I've seen it, and it, it was it was not good. It's not a good thing. Well, let's just let's just think about what the Lord is saying here, and and it's I know you guys are in the South, and maybe it's not as big a deal, but it is a big deal to a lot of women that I know. Uh, in you know where we live and the word submits just to willingly put yourself under and I also love that right in that scripture it says as to the Lord which is really important because again this whole body of scripture is kind of comparing the marriage relationship to Christ and the church so in this case Ron was mentioning the, the male's role is that sacrificial is, is the Christ and the women are the church and so when I think about um, you know, submitting to the Lord, well, I want to do that, you know, I want to please him, I want to do what makes him happy, like, I try really hard to do what's pleasing to God, I, I like to praise God, I like to, you know, be in his house, and all that stuff, and so, when you think about it, you're thinking about, okay, start to think about my husband, as I, as a, be as excited about those things with him, as I am with the Lord, so as unto the Lord. The other thing that's really important is the Bible all over the place tells us to submit to each other, and that's really, that's throughout the scripture. Verse 21, it says, we are all called to submit to each other. That's right before this body. He makes it really clear, and so what we had to kind of learn um, the hard way early on was that submission and this Work, you know, submitting to one another is all about yielding. And our first house um, was in Arlington Heights, this little town, and there's all these little, just a cute little neighborhood of little Georgian houses, and there was no stop signs. And it, it took us a little while to figure it out, because, but it was important that we did. Because I just figured I always had the green, the, the yeah, go. the bigger car. <laughs> Or he thought, he thought, I thought it was because you had the bigger car. Because he drove a Suburban <laughs> then. I'm like, no, no, it's not the bigger car, Ron. But um, so there was no thing. So we had to learn to yield to avoid what? To avoid crashing. Well, the same thing goes in marriage. We learn to yield to one another to avoid clashing and, and being in a constant state of friction. Um, or, or worse, a collision. So um, how does that work? Who yields? Um, it's not really the way Ron was describing. It's not the bigger car or the louder voice or the bigger person. It's, um, we've come up with a way of kind of trying to figure out how important is this to you and also what are you good at and what are you, you know, like let's recognize that each of us have different gifts and abilities and let's maximize those. And so one way we do it, we had a little scale uh, if we're having a hard time figuring out like, hey, how important is this really to you on a scale of one to 10? You know, if, you, if you're in a point where you are not agreeing and you're trying to come to this place, and what you'll find out is most often one person does have more energy about it. You know, maybe they actually have researched it. Maybe they actually have a little bit more of a knowledge base here, and the other person is just kind of being, eh, I just don't want to. Well, if that's you, you know, that's that's one way to figure out to, to yield to one another. But you can't, you have to be honest. Everything can't be, oh, no, that's a 10 for me. Because <laughs> that, that's, then it won't work. So you have to just kind of be honest and look at, like, who's got more energy, who's more important, who's better, you know, in a better place to make that. And I think it's really choice. important for decision-making purposes and doing things like the gifts. Like, a lot of times these roles and responsibilities, they can be a little more fluid. I mean, it's the husband is the spiritual leader, but there's fluidness in the roles and responsibilities. So you got to take a look at your giftedness. I'm telling you, Jody, and you know, we've joked a little bit already. She, I mean, she's the negotiator. She was a high-powered salesperson. And I, when we go buy a car, used car, I do all the research. 
And my problem is, I see the used car and I want the used car. So we've learned that, you know what, because we used to get in combats a little, like, you know, it's like, oh, no, I, you know. That. Well, so once I just, he decides he wants something, he's like, no, just, 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 pay just the go man. with it. Let's go with it. You just know? Pay like, yeah, she's no. like, no, we're not doing that. So <laughs> I just, I go in there, I look at the car, and then I send her in and I just leave. <laughs> and I'm, we always get it cheaper than I would have. So I'm just saying, there's just roles, responsibilities, you know, what's most important to you that's a really good thing. Okay, so we've covered uh, R was um, respect revives, E, respect empowers, S, respect strengthens, um, not only our husband but our marriage, and we just touched on this a little bit here, but um, if you look at Proverbs 31, and you don't have to go there right now, but that's our woman, there that she's called sometimes the excellent wife, and I think if they say that, that's worth looking at, right? We're in a marriage uh, workshop, so if you start reading through there, I'll tell you some of the things that it says about this lady. Um, she's providing for her household, she's buying real estate, um, she's helping the community, helping people in need, um, she's making stuff and selling it, uh, and then one thing that's amazing about her, it also says that her husband's heart trusts in her, so he can count on her. For, for the things that she does. Um, so wives are not, you know, according to this at all, called to be barefoot and pregnant only, even though those are <laughs> fine things as well. I have no problem doing but, um, but not to be barefoot and pregnant. Like, she's more like the TV, this gal is more like the ladies on Shark Tank, if you think about it. So she's kind of like the CEO, the COO, and the CFO by all these different things that she's doing. And what I call these, the scripture, the Proverbs 31 is, this is the better together. Um, scripture. We're all called to use our gifts and abilities just like this woman is doing and I'm sure she's doing it over different seasons of life too. Um, but when we do that and we do that right it strengthens not only our relationship but also um, our husbands because we are now um, providing you know we're, we're living within the way we were gifted and that's going to strengthen our relationship and provide for him too as well. Um, the next letter is P, and respect praise for him. And this, um, if you look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, it says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, giving thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And there's one thing that I've learned in marriage, um, the single most productive an effective use of my time has been the time I've spent in prayer. The things that I have really laid before the Lord, I, I'll pray scripture. Um, there's a book called uh, by Stormy O'Martian you probably have heard of, um, The Power of a Praying Wife. She's got The Power of a Praying Mother. Um, if you're not sure what to pray, she'll give you a ton of ideas. I think she has like 31 or something, like enough for every day. Now you can't, I mean, that's a whole chapter for each one of those things. But I'm just, if you're, if you're not sure, she'll give you good ideas. But you can be praying for him in his work, you know, as a father, as a son, you know, in his relationships with his family, um, and of course for your marriage and for his own um, needs, because no one knows them better than you. And so just remember that that's probably one of the most important things you can do with your time and your energy. I've had to also learn um, through experience that God accomplishes more through my prayer than my words. I'm saying a lot of words today, but prayer is really where I feel like God has accomplished stuff that I never could have imagined in ways I would not have imagined. 
through people, I would not have right, imagined. Right. Um, okay, so our next letter is E. We're in, re in respect. So E encourages, and Proverbs 25, 11 says, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. And I love that. Um, kind of a funny story. Um, I, I think moms are really good with this, like with little boys, right? But then we get married, and we don't necessarily do the same with our husbands. So, but uh, the example I think of, Ron's mom was definitely good at this. Like, she was a big-time encourager. And I, I just remember her saying, oh, I knew early on that, that Ron was going to be a leader because, like, he set up this little office and, you know, I don't know what he was, like, playing office or something. I don't know what. <laughs> but she was like, oh, no, I could just tell. He'd have everything all organized and just right, you know. And she says, I knew he was going to do something. And then um, she's, and she said this to me, and she was so, like, very serious. She goes, and do you know he potty trained himself? Now, I know somebody in here is doing potty training, and you're just like, hey, that isn't important. But she was really proud of that. And I remember sitting there like, we didn't have kids yet, and I'm thinking, wow. And I, it's really insightful. Like, I could see where you could have maybe used a little more training, but it's, okay. it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. But she was so proud of him. He potty trains. I was like, okay, great. So moms are good at that, but then then we get married and it kind of stops. So I guess I guess all that to say is that our husbands still need that encouragement. Um, and we talked about earlier that that cheering, that uh, encouraging them on. Um, and what does that do? It gives them courage, right? So um, the next letter we have here is the letter C, and it's compliments, respect compliments. And this time we're not talking about that kind of compliment where it's like, hey, you know, you look great or whatever. Although that that's helpful too. That does work. Um, but this one, I'm going to Genesis 2.18 where it says, um, it talks about the woman being created to be the helpmate. And one thing I think is pretty significant about um, the whole creation story there uh, with, in regards to the woman is that, you know, the man was made from the ground from the dirt um, a lot of the other things were all made from something else that God had created in this case women came out of man it's she's the only thing that God created out of the man out of a person which is is significant I think um, and it was also because it's uh, God stated that God need he needed help he needed sure. a help mate a, a person and um, that's significant as well. And so um, one of the things I think about as far as being helpful, um, it's not going to be the same for everybody. So women, we tend to, especially with social media, we tend to compare ourselves to other women, right? And, you, and that's where all this giftedness comes out. And you start seeing some of these women are just constantly taking pictures of these amazing meals that they're making, you know? And, and then you're like, yikes, you know? <laughs> that's kind of intimidating to the, you know? But, um, we all have different things, and, and what is important to your husband? This, again, is where being a student of them. So when you go about being a help, helper to your husband, recognize that you and your husband are going to be different than any other couple on your street or in your neighborhood. And the important thing is to find out what is helpful to him. And I just think of even with little kids, I can remember my kids wanting to help me, right? So they'd be in the kitchen, and one would be, like, pulling every piece of Tupperware out of the, you know, drawer, you know, and I'm like, hold on, hold on, you know. So one important thing is when you're being helpful, you need to make sure you're being helpful to the person that you're helping and finding out what's helpful to them. 
Um, Ron is a little more like he likes uh, the surfaces cleaned in our home. I was opposite. Like I have to have things out in front. Like my notes are like this. Like I'm a visual remember. Like I remember where it was on the page and what color it was and stuff like that. So I, I would tend to have a lot of things out. Him, that he, he can't hardly work in that environment. Like it goes back to that little kid that was like getting everything all organized. <laughs> and so I've learned though, I keep the surfaces clean. And then I used to be really worried about the floors. I had a dad who was a farmer. My mom was constantly, you know, always washing the floors, always keeping the floors clean. He could care less about the floors. He wants the surface. I'm like, okay, if something's going to give, I'm going to have like the stuff like stashed. I got special drawers for my things. And, but, you know, it gave me a little freedom I, I, with the floors here and there, right? It can let up on that. So being helpful um, is make sure that, that you're helpful to the person that you're married to. Know that person, what's helpful, what's, what speaks to him. Um, so next, um, oh, I also love that verse, Ron. Did you want to read the Matthew well, Henry? Well, there's, there's a quote that's really good, and we may so even good. have it on the screen. Um, it says this, and because a lot of times I think we get this kind of, you know, messed up. It's like, what is the role and what is the responsibility? And I just love this by Matthew Henry. He says, the woman was made of a rib out of the side of Adam, not made out of his head to rule over him, nor out of his feet to be trampled upon by him but out of his side to be equal with him, under his arm to be protected, and into his heart to be beloved. And mm -hmm. that's just a great picture, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Of what really, you know, what this looks like and what we're talking about is to lead through love and to, to respect and honor is, is, is really, it's a great picture. So I think the last one is mm -hmm. for T, it's about transformation. And that kind of summarizes almost mm -hmm. everything we've said mm -hmm. on both sides because I think love will transform and I think respect does transform. It, it just doesn't. Yeah, and Ron yesterday mentioned a few times about our marriage being a crucible, and it's kind of an old term if you had chemistry class, right? But it's where you put the two things in there, and it's sitting under the heat, and then it turns into something else, right? You put two components together. And um, these, when we fulfill our roles and embrace mm -hmm. them, um, that is how God transforms us. And so most of us, if, we are, if you're honest, and, you know, if, if you think of what you say to yourself a lot of times, most of us are, want our spouse to change in some kind of way or another. That's part of that whole package of knowing right. them so well. Like we know each other's weaknesses. We know each other's areas you know, of improvement. And we can really get fixated on that and think that, gosh, I, you know, I wish if he would just stop doing that. Boy, if, if he would only do this one thing, that would be so good. Or why can't he be more like my dad and do blah, 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 you know, whatever it is. Like we, a lot of times we have something about the other and it goes both ways that we want to change. And this is how it happens when we fill these roles. Um, as women, we have more influence than we want to admit. Um, we can't change our husbands, but God can. And when we do these other things, that's how he does it. And, and the same goes for us getting that um, security need met. When our husbands are loving sacrificially, that's how it, it, it works. And so um, our part is to honor through respect as women, likewise men to lead through love. This is how God transforms us. So we're marriage. ready for a timeout. We've got one. This is the last one for now. And so this is where the wives get to turn to husbands and ask, hey, let's if we make it fair now. Let's spend a few minutes and answer those same questions with those same words and just to be encouraging and affirming to one another.